Hello, and welcome to episode 221 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfer Stewart. A warm welcome to Cindy G, Perrin C, David G, and Julia P to The Modern Manager membership. Membership is a great way to support me and the show and invest in your own professional development. Member benefits include extended episodes, a private Slack community to engage with me and other members, and discounts and special gifts from Modern Manager guests. Learn more and join us today at themodernmanager.com slash join. Today's guest is Martine Kalau. Martine is an elevation strategist. She shifts mindsets, builds bridges, and delivers results. She is the author of Illegal Among Us, experienced being an undocumented immigrant, and a DEI consultant. Martine and I talk about how to confront, respond to, and learn from those uncomfortable DEI situations in the workplace. Maybe it's something you said that landed the wrong way with a team member, or maybe it's something that a colleague did that was insensitive or exclusionary. We talk about microaggressions and how to get smarter about your own behavior, since often we don't even realize that we're creating harm. Now here's the conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Thank you so much for joining me today, Martine. I'm super excited to talk with you. It's a topic that I've covered in lots of different ways around DEI, but not yet have I really dug into these ideas around microaggressions and how do we confront the situation when either we are experiencing someone's behavior as being inappropriate or harmful or uncomfortable, or we're the one who's making those mistakes without even realizing it. So I have, there's so many questions I want to ask you because this is a topic that comes up all the time with my clients. I'm excited to be here and I love your questions already. Love what you're saying. Um, let's engage in discussion. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. So why don't we start with just the the very basics of what are microaggressions? Because it's a, a big weighty term and I, I want to make sure we're all kind of on the same page with what this idea is or kind of what these behaviors are. Yes. It was a term that was developed by a Harvard professor back in the late 60s or early 70s pertaining to the experiences, the subtle nuances or and experiences that African-Americans were having and experiencing at Harvard, right? And so he came up with this concept. But we don't need to make everything so academic within DEI because I think that's one of the challenges that we have. But in simple or layman's terms, microaggressions are actions or what you say to someone that's unintentionally offensive, really. That's really what it is. So oftentimes, nine times out of 10, it's unintentional, right? There are instances where people will say things or do things that are intentional. But a lot of these things that we say or do when we we fall into a microaggression is based on our lack of knowledge that this is offensive. And microaggressions sort of stem from or are rooted in stereotypes and biases, right? Stories that we've carried or we've heard about certain communities 
and certain associations of people within those communities, right? And so we carry that, right? And it's subconscious. And so when we interact with someone, we might actually say or do something that is sort of tied into that, you know, stereotype or bias that we might we might not even be aware of, right? So what I typically tell people when I lead workshops or training on, you know, explaining what a microaggression is, people get stuck on, well, I don't think that's a microaggression. I don't agree that that's a microaggression. And what I try to get people, individuals to understand is it doesn't really matter what your intention is, and it doesn't matter whether or not you think it is or not, right? Whether you think it's a microaggression or not, that's not the role of diversity, equity, and inclusion when we're, uh, you know, addressing microaggressions. What we get to do is acknowledge the person and how they're responding to, to what we say or do, right? If they feel offended, then we get to understand why and understand the root of that, right? And the other concern that people have is, well, Martine, there's so many different microaggressions. How am I going to know? It seems like I can't say or do anything. Well, that's not necessarily true, right? So microaggressions, the more we get to understand individuals, the more that we're exposed to different communities, people from various backgrounds, we start to understand how to connect with them, how to engage. And when someone experiences a microaggression and says, hey, that offended me, Instead of disagreeing or trying to dispute it, what we get to do is say, well, tell me more. I want to understand, you know, what it is that I said or did that didn't sit well with you. And lastly, you know, maybe the last thing I want to say is offer an example of what a microaggression can look like, right? So I hear oftentimes in studies show that during performance reviews, women and people of color are generally, they are reviewed based on their personality, right? And men, white men are generally uh, reviewed based on their performance, right? And so when women are reviewed in performance reviews, what you sometimes hear or you see written in performance reviews are, well, you know, she's a little aggressive or she's kind of assertive or very opinionated, or doesn't get along with other people well, or when you see those types of evaluations given for people of color, that's typically an example of a microaggression, right? That's just one one example. There's so many others that I can share, but hopefully that answers your question. Yeah. And and I actually want to kind of sting on this thread for a bit, because I have definitely experienced microaggressions as a woman. And I'm thinking like even outside the workplace, right, this happens when I used to play basketball and people like, oh, you're, you know, you're so good at basketball for a girl. Right. And you're like, why can't I just be good at basketball? Why do you have to qualify it by saying for a girl as if girls aren't supposed to be good at this thing? Exactly. Right. So that's going back to what I said about the the root of a microaggression. It's tied to beliefs or stereotypes, right? That we've heard, we've seen archetypes that we've seen in the media, you, you know, that 
these messages, subliminal messages that are reinforced, right? Whenever we're watching TV or instances through our upbringing where we've seen this, right? So it might be subconscious. We may not necessarily believe it's true or we've never actually questioned whether or not girls or women are good at sports, but the stereotype is that women are not good at sports, right? And so we carry that into the workplace and it comes out in the form of a microaggression. Another example could be, you know, and again, these are examples that I see, I've seen with in working with clients where some women will say on a team, I'm usually given, like if we have meetings, I'm usually given more administrative tasks with, hey, you know, make sure that you send the invite out for the meeting, right? Whereas there could be other people on the team who are men who could do that. Other examples of microaggressions, you know, I cannot tell you how many times people will tell me as a black woman, oh, you're so well-spoken, right? And now someone might listen to that and go, well, what's wrong with that? That's a really great compliment. Or they'll say, you're so articulate. And that's the nuance of microaggressions, right? Because sometimes people internalize microaggressions. So you can say the same thing, give that same comment to another Black person who might say, great, thank you, and not be offended. But for me, it's offensive because I think, well, why wouldn't I be articulate, right? Is the expectation that I wouldn't be articulate? So people, you know, when I share that example, people go, you know, I have participants who in in workshops and sessions go well you know it's a compliment and what we're what a person probably means behind that is that you know you are animated you great you've got great you know tonality and etc and i go great then say that but when you use certain phrases there's certain phrases that are tied to the stereotypes that are associated with certain groups and so it becomes a trigger when you say or do something and the expectation is not for all of us to know every microaggression there is because we can't the expectation is when and if we someone, we create a space where a person feels comfortable letting us know. And we also create a bigger space where we can understand where they're coming from. And the point is not to agree with them. It's to understand where they're coming from, just so we have that awareness. If we're focused on whether or not we disagree or disagree, then we're missing the point. Because we're not part of the group that they're associated with, we cannot fully understand the impact that that particular phrase, statement, action might have and how it's tied to the stereotypes of that group. And so your example was, that's a a common one outside of the workplace. There's so many others, you know, I've had people say, oh, you know, Martine, you're, you know, you're really sweet and nice. You're not angry. And because there's this stereotype, right? That Black women are angry. And when someone says that, it seems like it's a it's kind of a back, it's a backhanded compliment. They think they're complimenting you, right? So that's the other thing that we want to demystify about a microaggression. Because a person might argue, I'm not being offensive. I was complimenting the person. I was telling Martine that she is just so positive and has great energy and she's not angry. How can that be wrong? Well, it's wrong because it offends me. That's the first thing, right? And that's where we've got to, that's where we stop and 
try to break things down and to understand things and acknowledge the feelings of the other person. All right. So I want to kind of keep pushing down this path because we've talked about gender, we've talked a little bit about race, but there's differences in what those microaggressions look like. But it can also be around age or it could be around geography or nationality, right? There are so many- It can be around everything and anything, to be honest with you. I mean, literally it can be. It can be, a, it can be ageism, right? I mean, if you work work in a organization that, that has, you know, it, there's a cross-generation of employees, you know, you might have someone who is from Generation X trying to educate someone who's from, you know, a different generation, and then they might feel offended by it, right? Because they might feel like, you know, that person's talking down to them. So it's the way that we communicate that's important, right? And so it's across, it can go in so many different ways and microaggressions can look like so many different things. You know what I mean? It can look like, I'm just trying to think of the various examples that are out there, but it can also look like it may not be directed towards you, but it might have an impact to you. So it could be a microaggression. So for example, you know, what I experienced is that there can be biases around accents, right? There's certain accents that are considered, oh, they're associated with intellect, right? Authority. And then there are other accents that are not necessarily considered as authoritative or intellectual. And so when someone is complimenting someone else and saying, you know, I've heard this before, oh, you know, that person's got, is so brilliant. I love British accents. People with British accents sound so smart. Well, if someone else in the room who doesn't have a British accent hears that, that could be perceived as a microaggression. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean I'm not as smart? I don't sound as smart because I don't sound this way, right? That's just a hypothetical example, but one that illustrates how microaggression may not be directed to towards you specifically, but it might impact you. Yeah. And therefore it's still a microaggression. Yeah. I mean, these behaviors and the these statements, right? The, the challenge is that there are so prolific because we don't even realize we're doing it. We often think it's a compliment. And that's why they're called micro because they're so tiny, but they're like little cuts that just kind of continue to, you feel them on the surface. And I think for a long time, many of us, and I'll at least speak for myself, wouldn't respond to something that someone said or asked me to do that felt kind of like a microaggression because I just didn't know how to respond to it in a way that didn't feel like, oh, you hurt my feelings but was actually a way to respond by saying, hey, that's not okay. So how do you suggest we go about raising the point when someone says something, either directly to us or in the space where we are, where we see that it's either offensive to us or potentially offensive to someone else present, or even just offensive in general, right? Even a microaggression in general, even if there's no one there to be hurt by it, how do we kind of speak out and speak up when we see that happen? Yeah, this is a really, it's a really great question that you're you're posing. And I think it's a lot, personally, I feel like it's a lot of pressure to put on an individual who is oftentimes or could be part of an underrepresented group within their organization, right? Which is the reason why a microaggression would happen in the first place, right? So the other part, the other element of a microaggression is that it's much more prevalent or certain people are going to experience more microaggressions 
in an environment because there's lack of representation of those individuals or individuals associated with that group association. That's the only reason that a microaggression would become prevalent. If there are more individuals from that group or category of diversity that's represented within a space, an environment, an organization, then microaggression, that particular microaggression is diminished, right? Because people have more exposure to that person or to that, you know, group. So that's the first thing I'll say. So secondly, more specifically to your question, if someone experiences a microaggression, it's really hard and unfair, personally, this is what I think, to expect the person to muster up the courage to say, and especially let's think about when we were more junior in our career, would we feel comfortable enough to raise a concern to a senior leader, right? If we experience a microaggression from someone who is more senior than us, most likely not, right? And also when you are part of an underrepresented group, you're a part of the minority within an organization, how fair is it to put you in that position of one, you're underrepresented, you're the minority, two, you're experiencing bias in the form of microaggressions, and three, and now you have to combat that. You have to, you know, you have to then be your own advocate and you don't have anyone to advocate for you. That's asking so much from individuals. And some people can do it, but it takes a toll on many people, which is why we see that individuals, studies show that one of the driving forces of individuals leaving organizations has to do with experiencing bias. I think, you know, we're at like, the 40% of individuals that a trit, a trit due to experiencing or perceiving bias, right? And, and it can be in the form of microaggression because it's so hard to go up to someone and say, hey, I'm having an issue or what you said was offensive. And if you go directly to your manager sometimes, you know, it, it becomes a, a debate, right? It becomes a they said and they and I said, and then your manager is in the position of being the final arbiter, right? So it really is challenging. However, for those who are, you know, not faint of heart, what I would say is that if you experience a microaggression, so if you feel like someone has said or done something that does not sit right with you, that offends you, you've got a couple of options. I always think one of the best options is starting with your manager, just letting that person know that this is your experience and explaining why, why this offended you. Just so your manager is aware. And then when you have that conversation with your manager, what your manager is responsible to do is to acknowledge your experience, try to understand it, and then help you find and engage in a solution, right? And so this is where your manager can say, okay, you know, thank you for sharing. I hear what you're saying. I'm understanding where you're coming from. And so how can we move forward? How can I help you? What would make the best, you know, what would be the best step that will allow you to move forward? And this becomes an opportunity for you and your manager to come up with a solution together. And what this does is that it pulls your manager in to be your ally in the event something like this occurs again, right? Now, if you experience the bias 
with your manager, well, that becomes a different story. That is where there's an opportunity to have a conversation with your manager. And hopefully, right, because this is a, you know, a a, a podcast series that's directed to managers, hopefully managers are setting up time to meet with individuals on their team on a continued continual basis, whether it's, you know, bi-weekly or once a week. And hopefully within those meetings, even though the discussions are primarily focused on business and checking things off and, you know, addressing different objectives and goals, I always recommend that managers bake in at least 10 minutes to discuss feedback, right? Feedback on how the manager is doing and feedback on how the individual is doing, right? And that's an opportunity to, you know, discuss the feedback because you're working towards performance evaluations anyway, right? Your goals and how your performance is. And so in that space, when the manager, when your manager says, you know, what could I be doing differently or better? And that's how I, you know, I encourage managers to engage in this discussion. Because otherwise, if you say, am I doing a good job as a manager? That seems like a trick question. If my manager asked me that, I'd say, yeah, you're you're great. (laughs) But if you as a manager say, ask the question or pose the question in the way, in a way in which you're inviting your direct report to give you feedback on what you could do better, right? So posing the question of what could I do better or differently? That's the space where your direct report can say, well, you know, there was this one day or, you know, earlier in the week, this happened and this is what I experienced. And it really offended me or it took me aback. And this is where you're, you know, as a manager, you get to listen and ask clarifying questions, ask permission to ask questions. Otherwise, if you don't ask permission to ask clarifying questions, it can feel like an interrogation. And remember, the individual that's coming to you, that's confiding and trusting in you is already terrified because to your point, Mimi, they're concerned that it they're going to sound like they're complaining, right? They're going to sound like they have problems, like they're always complaining about something. They're always finding something to point fingers at. So they're already concerned. And also if they happen to be a minority within the organization, they already feel like a spotlight is on them, right? And everything they're saying or doing is already being scrutinized. And so they don't want another spotlight on them. So when you position it, when you're asking clarifying questions and you ask permission to ask questions, it will invite them to truly engage in a conversation where they can really share what their experiences are, how they perceived it. And it'll allow you as the manager to understand where they're coming from. All right. So one final question before we have to wrap up, which is when someone does say to you that thing you said that day, or what do you mean by that? That doesn't really sit well with me. How can we best respond, right? Do we want to be explaining ourselves? Do we want to be apologizing? Do we just yeah. want to kind of hear them out and say, thank you for sharing that with me? Like, what's what's the appropriate response in the moment, whether or not you agree with their perception, right? Where right. it's clear that it's not about agreeing, it's about validating. But then yeah. what, what are we supposed to do with all that? Right. Great question. The most important thing is truly listening. And that's going to be the greatest challenge, right? Because whenever someone, it's just human nature, someone comes to you and says, 
you know, you said or did something that offended them, it's easy to feel like it's an attack on our character. And when we feel like our character is being attacked, we're on the defensive, right? You know, then we're really not paying attention to what the person's saying. So my recommendation is a person shares with you that, hey, this is what happened the other day. And and then you say, thank you for having the the courage or for your willingness to share with me. Can I ask a little, some more clarifying questions? And if the person says yes, ask more questions. If the person says, I'm just not really comfortable right now, then you can say, look, we're clearly both really passionate about this topic. And maybe this is not the best time, but let's table this conversation and come back, right? But if they say, let's engage, and they are open to asking questions, that's where you can ask clarifying questions. So can you elaborate on what, you know, what I said or did that, you know, that didn't come out right? What was the, you know, the impact? And then you can ask, how could I have said it differently? What could I have done differently, right? I mean, that's exactly what we can say as managers or leaders. And then the next question or the next thing we can say is we can actually show our vulnerability and say, you know, thank you for sharing. I'm on this journey of learning. And a lot of this is new to me too, but I want to be able to do better and, you know, and make sure that anyone who's on my team feels safe and comfortable and we don't have these experiences anymore. So then ask the person, what can I do differently in the future? Or how can we address this in the future? Like if this happens again, how do we address it, right? And come up with solutions together. That's where, again, the goal for any type of microaggression, the goal for diversity, equity, inclusion in general, the goal for you know a person coming, confronting you and saying that I experienced a bias is to bring allyship and to come to a solution or agreement together, right? That's really the goal. It's not about who's right or wrong. It's coming together and learning and listening to each other. So I would refrain from trying to state your case and, oh, this is what I meant. And this is what I meant. You can say that, but really focus on acknowledging the person's experience, understanding where they're coming from, asking them what you could have said or done differently, processing that, and then determining what the next course of action is in the future to mitigate or minimize these types of experiences. Yeah, I, I love this. And I want to reinforce that, like, you don't need to explain. I have definitely caught myself in, dug myself into a worse hole when Absolutely. I thought I was giving someone a compliment and it they did not take it that way. And I kept trying to explain and it just made it worse and worse and worse. And I literally was mortified at the end. And I was like, I'm really sorry yeah. that I just, you're totally right. I've, I'm totally wrong. That was not, that was, I shouldn't have said it that way. I shouldn't have said it at all. And it's what well, I, again, I thought it was a compliment about their culture and they interpreted it in a way that was quite offensive, even though that was not my intention at all. Absolutely. And I've been guilty of that too. So the thing to keep in mind, I think, especially I'm speaking from the perspective of man, a manager is we as managers, you know, we've got this superpower where we're managers, we've got this, you know, this 
cloak or whatever that has a big letter M on there. And we feel like we have to be perfectionists. Like we have to know exactly what to say, when to say it. We can't make mistakes. I actually think managers who show their vulnerability, who can share with their team and say, I'm learning, I'm on this journey, I'm learning too, or teach me something. I think that they garner more respect from the people on their teams. They People don't see you as weak because you're learning, because you want to grow and you want their, their input. They actually respect you more and it elevates you. So it's okay to let your that person know that, listen, I really didn't know. I had no idea. I'm, I'm really on a, this is a journey. Like DEI is a, is a journey. We're all on a continuum. No one ever gets to complete, right? We're always learning. And so you can be vulnerable and say, look, I honestly did not know. And we don't want to gaslight, right? Because if we start to say, well, you know, well, what I meant was, right. We tried to explain ourselves. We could just gaslight the situation. So really just acknowledge that you're learning you want to learn and you want to do better and ask the person to just to give you feedback or insight on how you could have said it or done it differently. And then that, you know, you both walk away learning, you know, there's a learning element to it and that feeds, allows for more conversation, allows for more dialogue, right? It's much more open-ended. Absolutely. All right. So to wrap us up, Martine, can you tell us about a great manager that you worked for and what made this person such a fantastic boss? Yeah, this was a client of mine and this person was a CEO. And so I won't name names and companies, but what I will say is that I was experiencing a microaggression and they stepped in as an ally. So I was in a meeting with a number of individuals as the consultant well, number of individuals from the organization. And I made a recommendation on how we needed to proceed on a particular situation. And one person from the company like went in on me, like just started talking down to me, right? What do you know? Are you sure? I don't agree with you. And here I am, I'm the expert on the topic on DEI and I'm being brought in. And the CEO logged into the meeting at that time and it was so incredible because I started to feel like I was being backed in a corner. No one else was speaking up for me. And I felt like I was the only you know, woman and woman of color in that meeting, Black woman. And I felt really isolated. And the CEO, who, by the way, happened to be a white male, logged in and stepped in and said, wait, wait a minute. We brought Martine in because she's the expert on this topic. I think we should trust her. Martine, is there anything else you want to say? And that was so amazing. I cannot tell you how brilliant that was. As a manager, as an ally, he was willing to step in, but not take over and become the savior, right? Because he still gave me the platform to still showcase my knowledge and expertise and also to amplify my voice. And so that's the example that I want to give. So I, I cheated a little because not a you know full-time manager, but but it, but in a way, this person was my manager in the capacity of me consulting for the organization. Yeah, beautiful story. I mean, you know what a what a wonderful opportunity to show his colleagues kind of how to appropriately engage. So 
I love a manager's role model so well. All right. And lastly, where can people learn more about you and keep up with your work? Yes. I'll say if everyone directs themselves to my website, martinecalau.com is where you can click the link to purchase my book on my book or books on Amazon and also sign up for my complimentary masterclass, which I offer once a month. It's 90 minutes and we give you the tools, the, you know, the, the top five things that you can do in the next 90 days to drive diversity, equity, and inclusion within your organization. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much for joining me today, Martine. Really a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for having me. Martine is giving free access to her 60-minute masterclass, Advancing DEI. In 60 minutes, you'll receive the top five keys to advancing DEI in your workplace over the course of 90 days. This guest bonus is available to members of the Modern Manager community at the Sprout level and above. To get this guest bonus and many other member benefits, go to themodernmanager.com slash join. And if you work for a government or nonprofit agency, you get 20% off any membership level. All the links are in the show notes and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter. Find that at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team. I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes, and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.